go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's gonna be a bad day. Oh, what's good, everyone? Welcome inside the Bucks Film Room podcast. My name is Brian Sampson. You can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I write about the Milwaukee Bucks for Forbes Sports. I'm so glad you're here. We're going to go through some more fun, fascinating, exciting coaching stuff with Doc Rivers now coming into Milwaukee. We talked last time on the pod about Adrian Griffin and the rise and fall of Adrian Griffin. Really appreciate you all tuning into that. Today, we're going to go through Doc Rivers. We're not going to go through his history or you know, some of those more well-known facts about him. We're really going to dive into the coaching strategies that he brings to the Bucks and some of the underlying philosophies that will help him, I think, help him in this time. Of course, we'll also touch on some of the issues, some of the concerns. We'll really go through all of those pros and cons and dig deep to get a better understanding of exactly who he is as a coach, why he was brought into Milwaukee, and what we can look forward to in the coming weeks, months, and and probably years. He's probably going to be the Bucks head coach for the next two, three years, regardless of what happens on the court. The Bucks be- between this podcast and the last one, the Bucks actually had a win. Um, I shouldn't say actually. I mean, they're 31 and 13, but they beat the Cavaliers a week after getting blown out by them. They beat them 126 to 116 on Wednesday night in Milwaukee to improve to 31 and 13 on the season. So as I'm recording this on Friday morning, the Bucks are still in second place in the Eastern Conference, still three and a half games behind the Boston Celtics. They are a game and a half now ahead of the 76ers after the 76ers lost their most recent game. And then Milwaukee has another contest again tonight against the Cavaliers. Milwaukee actually owns right now the season series lead 2-1. So this will kind of be a big game given the Bucks' difficult schedule down the stretch. So if Milwaukee can win this game, they will hold the tie- the season tiebreaker over the Cavaliers. Um, this game's at 7 o'clock again in Milwaukee tonight. So it's kind of a big one. We'll see what, what's happening. A week ago, it was Adrian Griffin, who's the head coach of the Bucks against the Cavs. On Wednesday, it was Joe Prunty. Will it be Doc Rivers? Will he be in the seat today? If so, that would be pretty interesting where the Cavs – will have played the Bucks three times in about 10 days with three different head coaches. I can't think of a time that's ever happened before. So that'll be interesting. The Bucks then have a back-to-back to play again Saturday night at home against the Pelicans before heading to Denver to face the Nuggets on Monday night. So some, some pretty difficult games. These are three games against teams with winning records who are well above 500. So we'll see how this plays out for the Bucks. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Let's talk about Doc Rivers. The reports have come out. I mentioned him on Wednesday's pod about the Bucks hiring him. Uh, John Horse couldn't talk about him in the in his um, press or his press conference on Wednesday night. It was not official yet, and so now we have new information that Doc Rivers hired through the 26-27 season with a contract quote in the range end of quote, of $40 million. That's that was that's what the media reported. A lot of times that those numbers come from agents who really want to make it look good. I'm sure it's a hefty contract. Doc Rivers had all of the leverage. He used all of the leverage to get him out of his comfy booth with ESPN and now into a head coaching gig with the Bucks. So that means 
that Milwaukee, at least through the end of next season, will be paying Adrian Griffin, Mike Boonholzer, and Doc Rivers as their head coach. I mean, it's great to have deep pockets. You cannot question the Bucks' ownership, and they're willing to pay for a championship-caliber team. Um, the reason they'll be paying all three coaches is because Budenholzer was at least under contract through the 2024-25 season when he was fired. I'm sure Adrian Griffin didn't just have a one-year deal. I'm sure his deal was worth at least two years, if not longer. And then Doc Rivers going through the 26-27 season. So, so the Bucks ownership really paying a bunch of money here. I think the Bucks will be tied to Rivers at least through the end of the contract. It's hard enough to pay two coaches. Very rare, very difficult to pay three coaches. They're not going to pay a fourth coach. So regardless of how this Doc Rivers era turns out, this is going to be the defining moment in the Giannis, Damian Lillard era in Milwaukee. This could be great. Great things could come. It could blow it all up. We don't know. A lot, lot of that to play out. But let's talk about Doc Rivers and some of the things that he brings to the table for the Bucks. We all know he's been a coach in the NBA for a long time. He coached the Orlando Magic, coached the Boston Celtics, where he won, he won an NBA championship coach the Los Angeles Clippers, and then most recently he was a head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. We're not going to go through his whole resume here. I'm sure you can get that online. You can go into basketball reference, type in his name, click on his coaching history. You can listen to other podcasts. You can go through all of that. What we're going to dive into is more of the tactical stuff. I mean, this is the Bucks Film Room podcast after all. Um, so one of the biggest things is maybe we'll start with a con. Uh, we'll come back to that. All right. So what does he bring to the game on a deeper level? The biggest one is teamwork and togetherness. This sounds a little odd now after he kind of went on this media tour, blasting players and, and saying kind of all the reasons why it wasn't his fault that he lost at, at previous stops. But I think that this is one that we should not overlook that this locker room culture. And it's a major reason why the Bucks wanted to bring him in. A lot of times when you mention Doc Rivers' name, the first thing that people will bring up is his ability to be a motivator. He commands the respect of the locker room based on his history, based on how he treats players. He, a lot of his philosophies go to being together and really he's a big culture guy, which I think is huge at this moment. All of the reports that came out about Adrian Griffin and all the issues that were happening in the locker room the, how he lost their trust, lost their belief. Maybe loss is the wrong word. Can you lose something that you maybe never had? But anyway, a lot of issues going on in the Bucks locker room. There's reports about bickering, reports about airing out uh, sessions, grievances, all of this stuff. And that's really what Doc Rivers is best at. It's his ability to bring the team together. And that's probably the primary reason why he landed the job. It's probably the main reason why the Bucks tried to connect him to Adrian Griffin in the first place as a mentor back in December when they saw that things were falling apart. One of Doc's most famous examples of his ability to bring a team together was when the Boston Celtics won the NBA championship, when they acquired Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett to bring to that team with Paul Pierce already in the fold. And he really did a great job of connecting them and bringing them together. Instead of just being all these individual great parts, he was able to help them play together. 
and help them utilize each other's strengths to win that championship. That's really, I think, a big piece of what we'll see here in Milwaukee. And he, he's talked about this on some of his other podcast appearances or TV appearances about using Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo better together instead of being more individual parts. We'll touch on this here a little bit more, but expect them to really embrace playing together for the Bucks to really lean into that duo, um, both on the court and off the court. So this really emphasizes, Doc really likes to emphasize the importance of teamwork, trust, sacrifice, all of doing all of that for the greater good. Again, this was a big philosophy he used <clears throat> with the Celtics. He used that again with the Clippers when he coached Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and, and sorts. And then with Philadelphia, with James Harden and Joel Embiid. Those might not be the greatest examples because the Bucks are not trying to make it to the second round. If If they make it to the second round this year, and flame out this season will be looked at as a disappointment. So those are not the best examples to use, but I think he's he's done a great job. All of those names, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, uh, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen. Those are a lot of strong personalities that he's had to manage throughout his career, and he's done a very nice job of that. And that's what he'll be able to do with Giannis and Dame. I don't think that those two are as strong of personalities, but anytime you're a superstar in the NBA, you have this swag, you have this confidence in yourself. You feel some type of way about how you should be used and shouldn't be used. So he'll do a great job of bringing the team together, rallying them around Giannis and Dame, and helping the team understand sacrifice and teamwork and trust. Another another philosophy or culture that he will help them embrace is the pressure and expectations of being a championship team. He's not going to let Milwaukee shy away from those expectations. He's going to help them acknowledge it. He's going to help them take take them head on. Really take the deer by the antlers and and understand this is reality of being a championship caliber team. And what does that look like in today's NBA? So I think that'll be really a great culture building activity for the Bucks. I don't know how that was under Griffin. I don't know how Griffin addressed that. So this isn't saying anything about Griffin, but Doc will help them just embrace that, lean into that. And I think that'll help the Bucks develop a confidence and swagger that they've kind of lacked this season. This season. That's been one of my observations that I've shared a couple of times on this pod is that really just they are always calm under control, uh, very emotionless. The Bucks are kind of, they seemingly just go through the motions out there, which has not benefited them for the first 43 minutes of the game, but they've had a great clutch time team. So that calm demeanor has helped them in the last five minutes of the game. However, I think he'll bring more of that swag. We saw the Indiana Pacers really just dancing all over this team, having fun, clowning them. And I expect that to turn. I expect the Bucks to be the team with more swagger here moving forward, especially as Doc gets in there, gets in the locker room, gets his roots established, all of that. So really look for that confidence and swagger to increase. Bobby Portis obviously is going to love that. Jay Crowder brings some of that to the table. But other than those two guys, we don't really see that consistently from this team. Giannis, Chris Middleton, Damian Lillard, they're more mild manner human beings. So expect maybe 
I'm not saying they're going to come out here and talk all this trash. That's different than having a confidence in Swagger, but expect them to have a little extra pep in their step here moving forward. And the, and the reason I talk so much about this culture is when you talk about championship teams, it has to start in the locker room. You have to be together. You have to have a trust and confidence in yourself and a belief in yourself, but also in your teammates and also in the coaching staff. And Doc Rivers, I think, will do a good job of building that culture and teamwork. And he's a great motivator. He commands that respect. So expect the Bucks motivation, togetherness, all the locker room culture, all of that immeasurable stuff to really spike here moving forward. We maybe saw a little bit about that pregame in the Cavs game and the Bucks were dancing, had, looking like they're having fun before the game. Giannis had some slick passes where running down the sideline, even before Malik Beasley shoots it or as the ball is in the air before it went through the hoop. So maybe we're already seeing the, maybe we're already seeing them turn a little bit on that. We'll see how that goes moving forward. As far as on the court products, this is where Doc Rivers has more of his work cut out for him. This is where he's failed in the past. This is where he's lost trust of previous players. He's blown nine series lead in the playoffs. Nine times in his career has his team had a series lead, and they've blown them. Um, three times they've blown 3-1 series lead. So the, the on-the-court tactics, he's always been a little bit behind. His lack of playoff adjustments, he's infamous. He's 16-34 and 34 in closeout games in the playoffs. His teams have lost Game 7 at home four different times. So we'll see. That, that, that'll be a big adjustment for him. It's going to bring back nightmares and flashbacks of Mike Budenholzer. It, it'll be interesting. Uh, that'll definitely be a challenge that will have Bucks fans on edge here when we're heading into the playoffs. What will that look like? He has a lot of work cut out for himself. The other side of the coin is that in his previous stops, his stars have not been up to it. His stars have not played to the level of stardom that they should have. Joel Embiid and James Harden are notorious for flopping in the playoffs. Not literally, I mean, flopping, yes, but also not just playing poorly. And Chris Paul and Blake Griffin didn't have the best playoff series in Los Angeles. So maybe Doc is right about some of those issues that he's had in other stops. We know Giannis comes to play in the postseason. We know he can be a dominant force. We know Damian Lillard doesn't shy away from big moments. We know that he will be a, a great player in the postseason. Maybe Doc can ride those two. They can help him out and not, not let him down like the other star players that Rivers has had in his career. But keep your eye on those lack of playoff adjustments. Again, that's a question we will not have an answer to until April, May, until we start getting into the grind. That's just going to have to be something that we are comfortable being uncomfortable with. Until then, expect Dame and Giannis pick and rolls expect doc rivers to spam the shit out of damon Giannis pick and rolls it's going to be a pick and roll almost every single time down the court in some way shape or form i would expect brooke lopez to get involved in a lot of that action what doc rivers loves to do is empower a primary ball handler to make a lot of the calls and decisions for the offense to get the offense set up in their sets to really run his offense through that primary ball handler so expect Dame's usage to skyrocket here, really, and expect him to have the ball in his hands a lot more. He's going to use 
a lot of different variations of the pick and roll, but just really, I think as a start, we'll see a lot more of Giannis as a screener. I would love to see Giannis be an actual screener, not just the kind of touch Damian Lillard's man and then shoot to the basket. Actually set good hard screens, allow Lillard to control the game, make smart plays, make smart decisions. That's been one of the brightest spots or most surprising spots for me in watching Damian Lillard's game is he almost always makes the right decision. His turnover percentage is at or around a career low this year. He has a great feel for when to get his own shot and when to get his teammates involved. Expect Doc Rivers to lean into that heavily. He's already talked about that in some of his media appearances is how he would use Giannis as more of a screener and a roller in this offense, how he would kind of get the ball out of Giannis's hands, get it into Dame's hands more and use Giannis in that roller. I don't know how Giannis will feel about that. Again, that's going to be the buy-in part. Um, especially Giannis is having his most efficient scoring season of his career and one of the most efficient scoring seasons of all time. Will the pick and roll help unlock that even more, or will it take the ball out of his hands? We've seen Giannis, his playmaking has been great, especially in 2024. He has, what, three triple doubles here in his last four games or something like that, seven triple doubles on the season, which already ties a, a career high with 40, so 39 games left in the season. So that will definitely take an adjustment on Giannis's part, but that is the number one biggest offensive difference that I expect to happen is he's going to spam the shit out of Dame Giannis pick and rolls. Brooke Lopez will be heavily involved. I'm sure we'll continue to see more of the, that high horns look that we've seen the Bucs uh, use this season because that's been working very well. That fits into Doc Rivers' philosophy. No reason to go away from that when that's been a proven weapon. So expect Dame's usage to increase here moving forward. Giannis might be used as more of a facilitator. Might Instead of looking for his shot as often, he might be looking for more of those shooters, whether it be Malik Beasley, Chris Middleton, Damian Lillard. That that that's something to watch for is Giannis's role of as a facilitator instead of a primary scorer. But either way, he will Doc Rivers will empower both guys to be the sole focal points of the offense, especially Dame. Dame will dictate a lot of the offense. He will Doc Rivers will bring a lot of structure to the offense as far as what the expectations are how to run the sets, uh, how to run his regular flow of the offense. And then he will hand over those reins to Damian Lillard. So expect Lillard to be communicating a lot with the ball in his hands, to be running offense, running, calling for the sets, doing all of that. One thing that we'll see the Bucks revert back to is a static offense. I think Adrian Griffin wanted more player movement and ball movement than we've seen in the past with Mike Boonholzer, where Mike Boonholzer last year maybe did more of those isolations, um, different things like that. We're going to see the Bucks' offense be more static now. Typically in Doc Rivers' um, previous stops, it's been that pick and roll where other three guys are are standing around or have very little movement. So expect lack of ball and player movement here moving forward under Doc Rivers. However, one thing that he loves to do to offset that is Rivers knows how to use elite off-ball shooters. That's good news, I think, for Malik Beasley and Chris Middleton. They're both having great – or Beasley especially is having a great season shooting from behind the arc. We know Chris Middleton can be a deadly three-point shooter. 
And so it'll be interesting to see how he uses those. I'm sure Middleton will run some bench units with um, pick and roll with Brook Lopez with Giannis. That's a great combination. But but Doc Rivers knows how to use those elite off-ball shooters. He's had Ray Allen in his past. He's had JJ Redick. Obviously, Beasley is not on the same and not in the same tier as those. But he's knocking down a ridiculous percentage this year. Almost every shot seems to be going in. I have complete confidence on my end of when a shot leaves Beasley hands, Beasley's hands, I expect it to go in every time. So that will be interesting to see how he uses Beasley. Does he post him up in the corner? Does he use him more at, more as a movement shooter? In the past, what Rivers has done is he's gotten good looks for guys like Ray Allen and J.J. Redick by using the other primary players as decoys. So running a set that looks like it's designed for Damian Lillard or Giannis, but it's really designed to get Beasley or Middleton an open shot. So that'll be interesting to see how that part goes as far as using those shooters. The Another part to look for are bench units. His rotations were a little questionable, highly questionable, especially in Philadelphia. A lot of times he liked to rely on those bench units. With Milwaukee, with having Damian Lillard and Giannis and Chris Middleton, that gives him three options where he didn't really have that in Philadelphia, but that's something to keep an eye on are his rotations. I know Griffin liked to use Middleton in the second and, and the third or beginning of fourth quarters with some of those bench players. We'll see how that rotation sorts out here. That'll take Milwaukee's players a little bit of time to adjust to you know the players like a predictable routine a predictable rotation they got into a groove under Griffin that'll change now um, I'm sure Doc Rivers will have his own thoughts about adjusting the rotation that'll be part of the buy-in and conversation he'll have to have with his coaching staff and his players so keep an eye on, on all of that so offense just to recap heck of a lot of pick and rolls Static offense from a lot of players. He's going to empower Damian Lillard, expect Lillard's usage rate to skyrocket. He knows how to use off-ball shooters. That's good news for Malik Beasley. We'll see what Giannis's role looks like now as a literal roller um, and as a facilitator. The lack of playoff adjustments is a big issue. Defensively, we haven't really talked about defense. So Doc Rivers is known as a defensive head coach. It'll be interesting to see what he does with this Milwaukee roster. Um, admittedly, it's not the best defensive roster. However, he does have some nice pieces. You still have Giannis and you still have Brooke Lopez. Middleton is maybe an average defender. Uh, Jay Crowder is a little bit above average. Andre Jackson Jr. is, we'll call him enthusiastic. So he has some okay pieces. Doc Rivers likes to, to run a switching defense as much as he can. That might be an issue here in Milwaukee. I hope that he doesn't make the same mistake with Brooke Lopez that Griffin did, where he asked him to trap or switch, but expect the Bucs to not be as aggressive as they were under Griffin. I think that's something that he can easily do is just dial back the pressure, add more uh, off-ball help. I know the Bucs off-ball defenders love to hug their man tight to the three-point line, which makes it tougher then for Beasley to, you know, puts Beasley puts Damian Lillard on an island, different things like that. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I will say, look for the Bucks to target a rangy, switchable wing heading into the trade deadline. That is the type of player that fits Doc Rivers' MO. Would Thibel go and play for him, Matisse Thibel? That's interesting. 
um, considering his role with Philadelphia with Doc Rivers as the coach. Um, but that would be a great target. So look for the Bucks to add that rangy, switchable wing um, that's really defensive-oriented. I think that would be a great fit under Doc Rivers and something that he's used in the past. Overall, I, I, I don't know that... I feel great or I feel amazing about Doc Rivers. I don't think that I'm saying it's a home run pick for the Bucs. They are in a tough spot. I do like the fact that John Horace admitted a mistake, didn't ride through a season. You can't waste entire seasons. He, he understood that, all right, made a mistake with Griffin. Time to acknowledge that instead of doubling down, especially heading into this trade deadline. You don't want to make a move for a player that fits Griffin's schemes when you have all of these questions about whether he will be here even next year or, or moving forward. So I think it was the right decision to move on. I, I think that Doc Rivers addresses a lot of the culture stuff that needs to be fixed in Milwaukee, which is crazy that we have to say that considering how well-functioning they were under Mike Boonholzer. But I think Doc Rivers, the right guy to do that. He can come in and command that respect. He's a great motivator. A lot of the issues that we've heard, oh, Bucks just need to play harder. I think Doc Rivers will do that. He can get this Bucks team playing harder. He can get them motivated. I think from that wise culture, from a culture point of view, which I'm a big fan of, this was a nice hire uh, for the Bucks that way. Offensively, I think he'll add some much-needed structure to the unit. There are major questions, though, that he has to answer. Can he handle the playoffs? Is he ready to make adjustments? Has he learned from past mistakes? It's one thing to make a mistake, but if you keep making the same mistake over and over and expect different results, I think that's the definition of insanity. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what does he learn instead of just blaming others? Can he take accountability? Can he really make some changes moving forward? Will he bring in some of his own guys? There's already been a couple of rumors about maybe a coach or two that he'll bring in. That'll be interesting to see. I think that could be helpful as well. This Bucks coaching staff has been short all year. It has Griffin's guys on it. A lot of Doc Rivers guys are with other coaching jobs right now. However, will he is there a guy or two out there that's available that will come help him this season? That that'll all be interesting. We'll get our first taste. Maybe he'll be Milwaukee over the weekend. They have two games. That seems like seems like it's been an appropriate time, right? Griffin was fired on Tuesday. The official announcement came on, what, Thursday? I don't know how much time it will take Doc Rivers to get in here, but keep an eye out on that. Otherwise, we'll be coming back with our next Bucks Film Room podcast on Monday with two great, two good games to break down. Hopefully, they're good games. The Bucks play the Cavaliers on Friday night, and then they play the Pelicans on Saturday night. So thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you hit that like button, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Catch you next time.